You're listening to a Fit Plus Love production. You know, people just need to become more mindful about what you're consuming and how you're treating the planet, really. There's so many different things that you can do. And it's also about changing policy and working and making it a point to your local government. Because, you know, obviously one should avoid single-use plastic, maybe eat less meat, all these things matter, but it needs to be at a much bigger scale than just our independent actions. And that's kind of why I want to do these big public art pieces is to change people's minds and, and then to make them vote differently and to really like hold our governments accountable. That was Catherine Fleming. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hello, welcome, and welcome back to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. Today on the podcast, I sync up with Catherine Fleming, founder and director of Bridge Initiative a nonprofit that bridges art and science to create public art for environmental advocacy. Catherine also serves as the vice chair of Blue Lab Preservation Society, whose purpose is to help water pollution, climate change, and environmental issues by using art, science, culture, and design as a galvanizing channel for sustainable change. Catherine and I do a deep dive into one of the projects she's working on with Blue Lab's chair, Ziminia Caminos, called the Reef Line, which is an environmentally functioning artwork, artificial reef, and public park to run seven miles along the coast of Miami Beach's shoreline, providing a critical habitat for endangered reef organisms and enhancing coastal resilience. During our conversation, Catherine shares the inspiration behind where her passion for environmental advocacy began, when and how she started the Bridge Initiative, and how one eye-opening, game-changing vacation had her shifting gears in her long-standing creative design career in the world of fashion with brands like Terry Mugler, Tori Birch, and her namesake handbag line. She talks about her recent event, which took place last night at the Faina Hotel in Miami. And, of course, I get the exercise and wellness routines that fuel Catherine for success. I hope you enjoy our conversation. If you do, leave us a review on Apple. Head over to the Apple Podcast app wherever you listen. Click on the Marnie on the Move podcast. Scroll through the episodes Until you get to the bottom, click on the five stars and click on leave a review. Tell us what you love. Also, if you like this episode or any episode, take a screenshot when you're listening and post it on your social now. On to my conversation with Catherine. 
It's so great to have you on the podcast today. This has been a long time in the works. So thank you for being here. Thank you, Marnie. Tell me about the Bridge Initiative. Bridge is my nonprofit that connects artists and scientists to create public artworks about environmental advocacy. I started it about five years ago now, I think. I was inspired to start it because I went on a Lindblad expedition, Nat Geo Lindblad, to Antarctica. And I saw the effects of climate change happening in even the remote, most remote place in the world. And I just was like, I wanted to do something about it. So because my background is in art direction, I thought about, you know, connecting artists and scientists uh, because I feel like science needed uh, a voice that was uh, speaking to more people in a simpler way. And art has the power to kind of make people engage with things and fall in love with things and then want to protect it. So so maybe tell me a little bit about how this trip changed the direction and course of your life and your career and like what led you to go on that trip and what were you doing before that? I My background, I went to Parsons School of Design and I was a fashion designer and creative director for 19 years in New York City. Um, I've always, you know, loved camping and nature, but I certainly was not engaged in it, living in New York and and working in the fashion industry. Um, My dad has always wanted to go to Antarctica and he was recovering from um, cancer. And I thought, let's, let's, I, I encouraged him to go. I said, you know, this is your bucket list trip. Let's do it. Let's do it to celebrate your remission. And, um, we we went and it was it was really life-changing for me you know this was my dad's like bucket list trip but I think it impacted me much more than him even and I was I was even surprised by it it really was a profound life-changing experience and I had already been feeling sort of unfulfilled working in fashion um I didn't feel like I had true meaning or value to what I was giving to the world and doing with my life. And that trip really sparked something in me. And I I thought I'm going to do something about this. Um, And it led me to create my nonprofit bridge. And so what was it about that trip? Like that you saw that really opened your eyes to the world of environmentalism beyond what you had already been thinking, but like, what was it about that trip that really was that moment for you that you were like, I have to do something about this? Antarctica is just such a vast, beautiful place. And it it really has an incredible kind of vibe of just huge universe. We feel, you feel so small there. It also is a place, maybe one of the only places where people really have never settled or lived. So it, it you feel pure nature, so powerful. And you know, visiting penguin colonies and kind of seeing bits of blue and a naturalist pointed out that this is ocean plastic that they're feeding to their babies. And, you know, that was just being in the middle of such a, it felt like another world, yet there was ocean plastic over there. And so were you in New York at the time or had you already moved to Miami or you were still living in New York City? I was living in New York City, yeah, at this time. And you're you're from Miami? Is that where your family's from? That you went that's where you are. Yeah. Yeah. Born and raised in Miami Beach. Um, and I never expected that I would be living here. So what you know made you go back? I mean, what was the 
thing for you that kind of set you were like, I can't do New York City anymore and I'm going back to Miami? It was never really my intention. After Antarctica, I, I continued working in fashion, but I started exploring other places in the world more. Um, on every holiday, I would go to like Africa. I went to the Amazon with a naturalist and an activist. I started meeting scientists more and I became friends with the whale specialist on the boat, Andy Sabo of Alaska Whale Foundation. I went out there and then I decided to do my first um, project with Bridge with Alaska Whale Foundation. And at that time, I always wanted my second projects to be in Miami because right. I'm from here. So my apartment lease was up and I went to Alaska and, and I already had an apartment in Miami and I knew that that was going to be my second project. So I just thought I'd put everything in storage and I would move back eventually. And then I just never did. <laughs> and so you started Bridge in Miami and it sort of fuses your passion for art and design and fashion. With I actually your... started it in New York. Oh, you did? Uh, okay. Yes. Yeah. And, and then the first, the first project was um, in Alaska, in okay. Southeast Alaska. Got it. Yes. And then my second project was I was going to be in Miami and then I kind of just stayed here and ended up doing several different projects in Miami. When did you, like, what was the first project that you did when you moved down to Miami? The first project I did in Miami was Coral City Camera, which is a live feed of a coral reef right in Biscayne Bay at the tip of the port of Miami, actually. And it's by artists and scientists duo Coral Morphologic. This live feed has now been streaming for two years straight. And is that how you got involved with the reef line? It was. It, Coral City Camera was a catalyst that brought me into the reef line. Colin Ford, who is part of Coral Morphologic, introduced me to Jimena Caminos, who is the head of the reef line. And I really love that project. It really is the epitome of bridging art and science together. So Bridge got involved at first, and then Jimena asked me to be vice chair with her, and the rest is sort of history. It's it's a much bigger project than anything I've done previously with Bridge, and it's, you know, it maybe a seven to ten year public infrastructure, huge project with many permits and you know, it's just, it's, but it's very exciting. So tell me a little bit about the reef line and also for my listeners who aren't familiar with what's happening in Miami and why it's such an important benchmark for climate change. The reef line is going to be a seven mile artificial reef and sculpture park that we're deploying off the coast of Miami beach at a swimmable distance from the shore. It's all made out of eco cement with calcium carbonate that is a, something that corals naturally will propagate on as well as sponges. It's going to create a marine habitat for fishes and other critters out there. We used to have a reef across Miami Beach and around 50 years ago, and then again, 20 years ago, there were different sand renourishment projects and dredging that smothered the reefs and killed them. So this is kind of bringing back a marine habitat to the coast of Miami Beach, which has become sort of a desert out there. And it's also something that will help with, you know, keeping our sand intact. Uh, there are these huge dredging projects that happen every five years to make Miami Beach stay a beach. So these reefs will kind of hold the sand in. It will also hopefully propagate corals. Here in Biscayne Bay, we have 
really amazing and resilient corals. And there's a lot of different projects to kind of splice them and grow them and then off plant them. So Rescue Reef is an organization from University of Miami that does this. And we're hoping to work with them to also try, you know, putting corals out on our reef. The proof of concept of this is that on 2nd Street, uh, off South Beach, there's a concrete tiki bar called the Jose Cuervo Reef that was put there about 20 years ago. And I don't know why it was put there, but it it's a thriving ecosystem. No one ever off-planted any corals or touched it. And there's bouldering corals, there's staghorn corals, there's tons of fish. So that's why we, we kind of came up with this idea to have artists make these reefs and hopefully in you know a decade they'll be unrecognizable you won't even see the art anymore because they'll be flourishing coral reefs that's so cool and i mean i think the the coral is so important to the ecosystem of the ocean which is you know slowly the more we pollute the ocean the more that ecosystem is disappearing so it's amazing that you guys are rebuilding it and that you can rebuild it that we can plant coral and sort of and encourage it to grow in in this like amazing region and beautiful oceans and beaches. Yeah, we're really excited about it. And like I said, Biscayne Bay um, has these very resilient corals that are being studied by scientists at NOAA. And, you know, Coral City Camera is sort of a peek into that. You know, you see even in the most kind of polluted waters, there is... Yeah being corals and fish and so it's it's a special kind of place where offshore reefs are, are really dying everywhere and being bleached um, around the, the world ocean, yeah around the world the ocean is becoming more acidic it's becoming warmer and it's not you know hospitable for corals all right hope you are enjoying this conversation just jumping in here to give a shout out to today's sponsors inside tracker as you know, I like to be on the inside track when it comes to my health. I am a huge advocate of preventative healthcare, food as medicine, and optimizing my nutrition whenever I can, which is why Inside Tracker is my go to when it comes to personalized nutrition based upon blood biomarker analysis and DNA. Inside Tracker is the ultra personalized nutrition platform that analyzes your blood. DNA and lifestyle to help you optimize your body from the inside out. It transforms your body's data into meaningful insights and a customized action plan of the science-backed nutrition recommendations you need to optimize your health. Get 20% off today at insidetracker.com slash Marnie on the move or use our code cheers Marnie. Next up, Alchemind supplements. Since we're talking all about running today, I am a huge fan of their acid-kicking minerals and acid-kicking plant-based protein powder when it comes to fueling and racing. I also love their vitamin D3 and K2 and their omega-3s, which I take on the regulars since I have low vitamin D and need an omega-3 boost daily. Alchemind has lots of great supplements and products. Head over to their website, getoffyouracid.com and use our code MARNIE15 for 15% off. 
Now, back to my conversation. During Art Basel this year, you organized a really cool event that bridged art and environmentalism with the Reef Line. So tell me a little bit about that event. We did a series of different uh, NFTs and installations um, with a partner of ours, which is called Aorist, and it's a digital arts uh, organizations. They helped produce these amazing NFTs, one with Rafik Arendal, who is an incredible data scientist and artist. And he took thousands of collections of coral data and put it into a supercomputer. And then the, the computer continued to dream up new coral reefs. And this was put onto a massive screen that was so high res, it looked realer than anything I've ever seen <laughs> on the beach um, just outside of the Faena. So that that was auctioned off and a portion of that went to the reef line. And these, the NFT continues to change forever because this supercomputer is constantly dreaming and changing this amazing, beautiful kind of psychedelic coral reef. Um, we also worked with Leandro Elvich, who's actually the first artist that we're working on, um, that we're deploying his order of importance, which is sort of 22 cars, and that's going to be the first thing that's the reef. They're not real cars, they're eco cement yes. with carbonate, but it looks like an underwater parking lot. Um, so Leandro made his first NFT, he's Argentinian. And it was really beautiful as well. And you can see all these NFTs actually on aorist.com or on the Reefline's Instagram. Yeah. And then we also are working with OMA, which is Rem Coolhouse's architecture firm. And right. they're kind of the master planners of the Reefline. So they also produced their first NFT. And all these were auctioned off at an amazing event at the Faena by Aorist to help fund our first deployment. We worked with Carlos Bedencourt, who is a local artist here in Miami, to create these huge inflatable icebergs that actually were photo printed with Sven Lindblad's uh, images of icebergs in Antarctica. So the, these were inflated and put into the pool at the Faena. So they had this very surreal, you know, kind of thinking about climate change and what's happening in the Arctic and the Antarctic directly affects us. And then you guys were all paddle boarding as well, right? In the so, <laughs> Yes, those icebergs that lived in the pool on the opening night um, of, of all these installations then went on a parade through Biscayne Bay. Um, and so it was I the really first hate living in New York right now. <laughs> when I talk to you, <laughs> Miami just seems like such an awesome place to be. Like I could just envision myself hanging out on a paddleboard. It is. It's pretty great. Yes. So we we went on a parade with, it was the first annual reef line parade. We have this idea that once a year during Basel, the reef line will come above the water and that the community can really participate in this. So I was on my paddleboard. We had a bunch of kayakers from, um, Castaways Against Cancer and uh, Miami Kayakers yeah. Society and um, all these people joined us and we had the icebergs and then we had a giant stoplight from Leandro Elrich's 
you know, traffic jam. So he made a big stoplight and these floats will come out every year and hopefully we'll continue to add more. And the idea is kind of like a carnival and people can come paddleboard in costumes. That's so cool. That's so much fun. Every year. I'm doing it yeah, next year. So, yeah, you should. A water parade is what we hope it will be and that, you know, all the community can kind of join in this. How far is it? Like, is it a mile or? I think it was about a mile. Yeah. And I think we'd probably be in the bay every year because it's, you know, much more, more protected than yeah. being offshore where the line actually is. It would be a little more tricky, um, but we might move it around because it's very weather dependent where it would be, you know, where yeah. it's the calmest area that day. And now are you typically like, do you offer I don't know anything about this. You know, I come to Miami and I run. And before that, I was going to nightclubs. So I don't know anything about. Do you organize tours of the reef line where people could come and either dive or paddleboard around that area? Do you do that? Or is there a company that does that? It doesn't exist yet, the reef line. We haven't deployed our first uh, reef yet, but we hope to do that 100%. I was thinking, you know, I keep seeing these clear kayaks they're just like totally lucite which would be a wonderful way to see the reef because you can really see everything underneath you um so i was thinking that could be something and we could have uh diving tours and stuff like that we probably would would not be running it right um that seems like a whole business but i'm sure that there's uh other local organizations and, and companies that could run it. And certainly once we start getting closer to deploying it, we're going to be working with the Coast Guard and the lifeguards to develop a system to make sure it's safe. Uh, There'll probably be a flag for when it is okay to go out to the reef line and when it's not. So on a good surfing day, for instance, people wouldn't be going out and snorkeling. How far offshore is it? It's about 600 feet offshore. So it's around a little bit beyond the swim buoy. And we're going to work with the city, so there might even be another kind of buoy line. Okay. And to tie up a boat. That's but it cool. will be something where you could do a beach dive. So you could scuba dive just from the beach, or you can just swim out. So let's talk about scuba diving, because I feel like, <laughs> were you scuba diving before you got into working with the reef line or going on this trip to Antarctica or all the things that you're doing? No, I wish I learned to scuba dive when I was a kid. I mean, it's one of my favorite things to do. I I, I got certified because of Coral City Camera because I wanted to be able to dive and, and go out, um, even though you don't really have to dive to work on this camera because it's it's pretty shallow. Yeah. You just snorkel, clean it. But I, I just was inspired to get my license then. Um, so it's it's pretty recent. Um, but I always snorkeled and I've been, you know, uh, lucky enough to go to many amazing reefs around the world where I snorkeled, but I love diving and I definitely want to do some dive trips in the future. Yeah. So what do you love to see when you're out snorkeling or diving? Like what's your favorite sort of experience? I mean, all of it is amazing. Recently I've been going out with Rescue a Reef, which has been super cool because they're doing coral gardening. Yeah. So it's like these huge trees of, I guess they're just PVC pipes, but it looks like a Christmas tree with staghorn fragments like hanging from it. And working with scientists underwater is so interesting. And then while you're kind of like scrubbing the corals or clipping them, little fish come and hang out with you. It's just magical. 
I love everything about it. I mean, I, every time I go diving, I feel like so excited and like a kid in a candy shop. The feeling of of neutral buoyancy is also incredible and very peaceful. It's I, I think it's probably like what it would feel like to be in outer space because you're just like totally floating and balanced. I've heard that it's like such a cool experience and it's not like anything else. You can't experience it any other way. Were there any challenges for you like when you started? Certainly. You know, it's scary. I think that for me, it, it was the technical things. Yeah. And honestly, you have to study a lot for the exam. I mean, it was it was stressful because <laughs> I haven't taken an exam since college, you know? Right. Um, but there's a, there's a bit of math to it, which is one of my weakest skills. Um, so I was luckily able to pass the certification exam. But whenever I dive, I mean, first of all, you always have to dive with a partner. But I, I'm lucky enough to know amazing scuba divers and scientists that I go with. So I just kind of show them my watch. I'm like, am I okay? I go up with them and, and you know, they they know how to, how, how you have to like stop every certain amount of feet and wait for a certain amount of time. So I just do whatever they tell me to do. Right. Smart. Surround yourself with good people, yeah. like a typical yeah, CEO. Yeah, people that are way better than me. <laughs> yeah. So I wouldn't scuba dive. Like if, if you wanted to, you got certified, we went out, I would make sure we had someone, yeah. you know, many, many hours of underwater time. That's really awesome with us. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sure that like on an, on a basic level, you know, there's stuff that's like really easy, but when it gets more complicated, what's the deepest dive that you've done or, you know, anything like just super next level? No, I'm, I keep it real simple okay. and easy. I'm certified to 60 feet, but I'm not, I don't go that deep, you know? Yeah. Snorkeling coral reefs, it's mostly like 30 feet yeah. at the most. Yeah. So it's pretty easy breezy. And I, I don't, you know, there's people that go super deep and you have a rebreather and all that. That's, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to, you know, yeah. stay in my No, you know shallow. your zone. Yeah. So are you doing any like free diving or anything or? Free diving? No, yeah. I haven't, I haven't done that. Um, but I would like to learn. Yeah. And, you know, I snorkel a lot as well. You snorkel a lot. You're a good swimmer. Yes. Is that something you did when you were younger? Or you, is this all new for you? Yes. For, I grew up here in Miami Beach, and I think I was swimming without any floaties by one. You know, I was, yeah, I was like a fish. So I've always loved the water. I, I grew up on Biscayne Bay, and um, I loved snorkeling when I was a little kid. So I would snorkel right off my house. Yeah. And my parents gave me a little laminated fish identification um, chart yeah. that I could go snorkeling with. And it had all of the tropical reef fish native to Florida. So I could identify all the fish when I was little. I mean, this is when I was like six or seven. And then I also had a big net that they gave me because I would catch seahorses and put them in a bucket of salt water and let them curl around my finger and other little fish. And then I would put them back. Yeah, that's that's so cool. That's adorable. Did that ever influence your design? I think so. Yeah. And um, I used to have my own bag company, actually. And I had a whole collection inspired by fish. That's very cool. Yeah. What were you yeah. doing in design before you got into everything else that you're doing now? Like what kind of design? I was um, really an accessories designer and creative director doing branding for companies. Um, I launched Tory Birch's accessories, actually. And 
I also had my own brand called Catherine Fleming that was at Barney's and DJ Corsicomo and opening ceremony. Many of these stores don't exist sadly anymore. It's so crazy. I mean, I loved Corsicomo. That was a beautiful store. So that was, I think in 2008 that I had my own brand for a couple of years. And then I closed my brand and I ended up doing a lot of consulting and I continued to work with Tori Birch for many years. And I also started working with Nicola Formichetti, who is most famously Lady Gaga's creative director, but he also worked, he was the designer for Mugler for a while, Terry Mugler. And I went to Paris to work with him on that and launched their accessories and then went on to Diesel when he became the creative director of Diesel. And we lived in a small town in Italy for a couple of years and we would go back and forth. And, and, you know, I had uh, about 19 years, well, including Parsons, that I was living in New York and, and working in fashion. Parsons is an awesome school. It is. It was, it was an amazing school. Very challenging. Yes. It really prepared me for, for anything. The design school, I mean, I went to the, I did the marketing program, like their hybrid of design and marketing. And the design classes, when I was on that track and taking those classes, that was like the hard, one of the most challenging things from the level of expectations of the program to like the work that you were assigned. I mean, I don't know how the designers at Parsons survived. I didn't sleep much no, during they, that time. No, I had roommates yeah. who were designers in the design program and they were like up all night sewing and draping. All and, night sewing. Yeah. I was always falling asleep while sewing and would wake up with like needles stuck in me. Oh my God. <laughs> and then, you know, I had all these friends that were at NYU and everybody's going out and having the best time in college. That was not my experience. No. I was sewing all night. I could never go out. I would go out during fashion week, um, you know, and that was it. Are you still designing or now you're just fully focused on this business? And No, I left fashion really completely and I'm just focused on Bridge Initiative and the refine. That's awesome. And so talk to me about what's happening in the Everglades and why this is such an important region of Miami that people should also be thinking about, like not just the ocean. Yes. So Bridge Initiative did a project with an organization called Path of the Panther, which has secured a huge segment of Florida. I guess, I think 30% of the land in Florida is protected to make the Florida Wildlife Corridor, which will go all the way down kind of the West Coast of Florida. And we worked with them on a project with artist Carlos Bencourt to take over the Intercontinental Hotel, which has this kind of digital screen to it and usually you'll see like a dancing person on it yeah. and we changed it to be, and it's still up. Uh, actually it's down right now, but it should be up again in a week. We, we made it so that kind of the Everglades was coming into the skyline of Miami um, with birds and alligators and panthers walking across it. So the Everglades is a really important ecosystem. And what's interesting about Path of the Panther is that it's protecting also above the Everglades because really Florida has this watershed that's kind of co- coming down all of Florida into Lake Okeechobee and then spilling out and it's really wetlands. And this ecosystem has been totally disrupted by when 
you know, when we came and settled in Florida, it was really all swamp. Even Miami Beach is really man-made. This all had to be filled and dredged. It was all just a swamp. So we really stopped the watershed and blocked it off and engineered it so that we could have South Florida and it would be actual land and not just a swamp. Um, But now we're trying to kind of re- like let nature go back because it, you know, it caused a lot of problems, um, not having this watershed and it, the, the flow of that water also helps with sea level rise because it creates a current that pushes water out and doesn't allow us to be like inundated with flood water. It also balances out our, our, the, the water that we drink. Right. And um, we're running into a lot of problems here with the water, you know, the sea water coming in to our aquifer and if it becomes brackish there's no going back and then south florida or all florida would have to import water from somewhere else which would be insane um and really the the story of the panther is just a beautiful icon for for this ecosystem because you know we built all these roads and interrupted their areas and the panthers have really big territories like only one panther can be in many miles. They, they, they fight each other, actually, if, if one panther goes into another territory. But because we've made all these roads and things, yeah. they don't have the, the, the ability to, you know, be in their ecosystems, really. And then, you know, there's a huge problem of panthers getting run over as well. Um, so they're kind of like the icon for keeping Florida wild and that's what's amazing about this organization that we partnered with is that they've really protected this thin green line that runs across Florida and will allow all of the animals and this ecosystem to continue. And it's they've been working with farmers, um, kind of making land trusts with the farmers that will guarantee that it will never become developed. It's it's constantly under threat and it's 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 a very complex problem. Yeah. Uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas said, if we can save the Everglades, we can save the world because it's one of the most human engineered, complex political ecosystems in the world. So it's, it's very challenging to navigate, like how to save it, how to preserve it, who owns it. Yes. There's a lot of, it sounds like a lot of politics. My listeners want to connect with you with bridge with the reef line with the everglades project like how can they get involved and you know what are you encouraging people to do like how can people just like help pitch in be part of the mission anyone can go to the reefline.org and um email us or you know obviously any donations always help and also uh, bridgeinitiative.org. Um, you know, by donating, that's super helpful. We're so close to doing our first reef with the reef line. And then Bridge is always doing more projects with different artists and different ecosystems. Um, and then, you know, people just need to become more mindful about what you're consuming and how you're treating the planet, really. Um, there's so many different things that you can do. And it's also about changing policy and working and making it 
appoint to your local government because you know obviously one should avoid single-use plastic maybe eat less meat all these things matter but it needs to be at a much bigger scale than just our independent actions and that's kind of why I want to do these big public art pieces is to change people's minds and and then to make them vote differently and to really like hold our governments accountable yeah I think it's spot on and I think also like would you encourage people to do eco travel adventure out on a Limblad expedition or something like that where they're not just going to a city and going for dinner and seeing art but they're experiencing the environment and the culture and what's happening in the world absolutely the Lindblad expeditions are so amazing and and it really is life-changing and it makes you see nature and react to nature in a different way and with the reflying that's really what we're hoping is that we bring ecotourism to miami because people come here to party you know to go to the beach but Biscayne Bay, um, you know, it's a city that's sandwiched between two national parks. We have the Everglades and Biscayne Bay. Right. And most people don't even realize that Biscayne Bay is a national park. I'm actually working with my father and a bunch of other organizations to also put it on the National Historic Registry. But it's a it's an ecosystem that's really diverse and thriving. There's manatees, there's eagle rays, there's corals that are growing here that are more resilient than other corals in the world. Um, and people just, you know, boat around and jet ski, but they don't understand what's underneath. So we hope that the reef line brings awareness that Miami is also a beautiful ecosystem and it, it, that it can bring a different kind of tourist, a more mindful tourist also. You know, I'm sure you've been reading in the papers about how crazy Miami Beach has been. Yes. There's, you know, spring break, like wild, you know, it's just gotten out of control. So perhaps this will give a different kind of uh experience that it's not just about partying and clubbing but it'll bring a different kind of perspective to people last up you know this is not your first business over the years right like you're a designer you've worked in-house you had your own business what are some of the big lessons that you've learned in your career along the way that you kind of like either a mantra or a lesson that you take with you whatever you do I do have a funny mantra and it comes from my aunt's boarding school, I think, but it, it works for everything and it's function and disaster, finish and style. I love that. <laughs> it's it's funny. People are like, well, how did you go from fashion to like running nonprofits and producing art projects? But essentially, you know, fashion kind of gave me the skill set to be able to function and disaster and finish and style, you know, whether you're making a fashion show or you're producing a huge public art project, there's always going to be massive problems and you have to make it work. Right. So I had that experience in fashion all the time, producing shows, things are late, you know, people are interesting or difficult. Yeah. Um, and, and it's all the same with, with art or, you know, with these environmental things, it's, it's, it's just about being you know, creative thinking when you run into challenges, working with them instead of staying super rigid with like, this is what I want to do and has to be like this. You often, you know, from things going wrong, it can become, it can make the project more interesting if you're flexible. Yeah. And so, and what about like, you know, what are some of the workouts that you do to keep you healthy and fit and survive during all these big productions and 
you know, public art expeditions that you're organizing? Like, what do you do to stay healthy and fit? I love paddle boarding. I've been paddle boarding since I was a teenager, actually. And um, it connects me. I'm so lucky to also live again on Biscayne Bay in a condo. Um, so I can just hop on my board and go. And and it's so beautiful. It connects me with nature. It's also great exercise. It's a bit meditative. I also meditate and have been meditating for a really long time. And I think that helps me mentally. And I do Kundalini yoga, which is also very meditative. I also recently picked up tennis. Oh, wow. I never played when, I mean, I might have done the tennis camp when I was a kid, but just maybe one summer. So during the pandemic, I wanted to have an outdoor sport that that involved other people because all of the exercise I do is is very just me, you know, right. whether it's paddleboard or or meditating. Um, so I wanted to do something where it was more about a community and I could be outside and it, I love tennis. You do. So I'm really excited I took it up. Yeah. And pickleball. Do you have a group that you play with? Yeah, I, I was I was taking lessons at, at Flamingo Park here in Miami Beach. And um, there's great clinics. And then I met a girl in my beginner's tennis class. And we still play weekly together. That's cool. Because we're kind of at the same level. Like, we're both beginners, but we're getting better. That's cool. That's fun to learn, like, at, when you're older. It's such, a, it's such a strategic and physical game. Yeah, I think it's really important to always learn new things, especially yeah. as we get older. Um, because, you know, you can also become very stuck in your own ways. But if you're constantly learning new skills and changing things, then hopefully you don't become so rigid as you get older and you can kind of be more open-minded. And flow with things. Yeah, I agree. I actually want to take up tennis. I haven't, I I played when I was younger. I played, like I went to tennis camp. I thought I was going to be a tennis player. Like I also thought I was going to be an ice skater, a veterinarian. (laughs) Like, like every year I had a new career I was doing. And that was just before seven. I was a figure skater. Yeah. When I was a kid and I, I, I wanted to be in the Olympics. I was very serious. I cut my hair like Dorothy Hamill. I was like serious. Amazing. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. I don't do a lot of that stuff anymore. Now I'm just like running, swimming, biking, but you know, and I also like thought about going back to tennis Every time, every year I want to play tennis, like when the U.S. Open starts and I'm, I catch that vibe. And especially being in New York, like all of a sudden every tennis court is full. When you come to Miami, we'll play tennis. I'm sure you're great. You're very athletic. You're probably better than me, even though I I've been taking I don't even know luck. anymore. I would just, I probably have endurance, right? Like you could, you could hit the ball all over the court and I would chase it. Right. <laughs> My only hesitation was really because I don't want to twist my ankle. But then I thought actually it wouldn't be a bad idea to start playing tennis because then I would have strength in my ankles and my knees differently than just moving forward, which would actually be helpful as long as I don't like twist or break anything. Well, the ten- new tennis shoes, they have, they have like this thing that goes out on the side. So you can't really twist your ankle. Oh, really? you that? No, I haven't. Anyway. I have to get them. You also have this event coming up. So tell me a little bit about this event that you're doing on March 3rd. Well, like I said, my first project was in Southeast Alaska with David Benjamin Sherry, a photographer and um, Alaska Whale Foundation. And we are having an event bringing Andy Sabo, the director of Alaska Whale Foundation and Paul North, an ocean explorer who actually dives in Antarctica, which is very extreme. Um, And he has a podcast called Meet the Ocean. 
And we're going to show the doc, the short film that I made um, about Southeast Alaska. And Dr. Sabo is going to discuss what Alaska Whales Foundation is doing with Lindblad Expeditions. And it's called their Ocean Health Program. And it's also a bit of a fundraiser uh, where we're auctioning off a Lindblad Expedition for two to Alaska, as well as some other really cool stuff. That's so, awesome. Yeah, it's going to be a fun event. It's at the Faena outside March 3rd, 6.30 to 8.30. And um, there's going to be some cocktails and some little bites and um, a beautiful program where I think people will be learning a lot about whales and just marine conservation and why the ocean is important for us, whether you're in Alaska, Antarctica, or Miami. Yeah, so this has been great. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much, Marnie. This was so fun. And please come to Miami. Visit anytime. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me, marnieonthemove1 at gmail.com, and let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of. If you have questions for our guests, just reach out. 